Support for the WSHU podcast Off the Path comes from Webster Private Bank with personalized wealth management services to help clients move forward confidently. WebsterBank.com slash private banking, member FDIC. And from Au Pair in America, cultural exchange child care for more than 30 years. AuPairInAmerica.com. An economic genius is remembered for predicting the 1929 stock market crash that led to the Great Depression. His last words of wisdom live on, stenciled on a series of boulders in a Massachusetts ghost town. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I've been to some out-of-the-way places on the road from New York to Boston. And the Dogtown Woods in Gloucester, Massachusetts is in my top five. Dogtown was founded in the 1600s as a home for farmers and sailors who wanted refuge from pirates on the coast. It was abandoned 200 years later and rumored to be full of witches. Now it's a 3,600-acre park, and a lot of that is weedy and overgrown. This is actually the shortest route. Eric Bickernick's bushwhacks through thorns and brambles. He finds a huge boulder with two words imprinted on it in big, bold capital letters. Help Mother. There are 35 of these boulders. Each bears a slogan that seems to impart a virtue. Let's see, we got get a job, be clean, use your head. That's a good one. Keep out of debt. Bickernicks came out here for the first time nearly 20 years ago. He heard a rumor about these weird rocks, and he found a local shop that had a copy of a crude map that showed where a couple of them were. But he wanted something that went into more detail. So Bickernix ventured into the woods to find all the rocks. It took me three trips up here to figure out where everything was. And then he created a map with every boulder's location. He's out here today for his latest project. He wants to take high-resolution photos of each boulder and post them to Google Maps. I'll get to how these boulders came to be inscribed. But first, it helps to understand the man who came up with the slogans, an eccentric investor named Roger Babson. His family lived near these woods. This was all Roger Babson's boyhood jaunt. He basically would walk through here as a kid and he enjoyed it. Babson was an early 20th century financial guru. He founded a market analytics company in 1904 and made millions. He wrote financial columns for major newspapers. And he made his name predicting the stock market. He made one especially big prediction in the fall of 1929. Sooner or later, a crash is coming, and it may be terrific. This is what he wrote in a column for the Commercial and Financial Chronicle. Factories will shut down, men will be thrown out of work, the vicious circle will get in full swing, and the result will be a serious business depression. Babson was right, but his reasoning was a little strange. Roger Babson is tremendously interested in Isaac Newton. Business professor Jim Hoops says Babson specifically liked Newton's third law of gravity. For every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's not just a matter of how high the market is, but how long it's been high. Whatever excesses or deficiencies there have been in the market that's led to its high or low has had a longer time to build up, and therefore when the correction comes it's likely to be steeper. In other words, what goes up must come down in an equal and opposite way. Hoops teaches at Babson College, a business school in Wellesley, Massachusetts, founded by Roger Babson. There's a statue of him on campus in front of a giant globe. 
But Hoops says most of the students don't know much about their school's founder. They're probably impressed that he got a lot of credit for predicting the crash of 1929. Uh, Beyond that, I doubt if they know, for instance, that he ran for president. On the Prohibition Party ticket in 1940, he came in a respectable fourth place against Franklin Roosevelt. Hoops and I are in a special room on campus. It's the actual parlor from Isaac Newton's house. Babson and his wife Grace had it shipped from England and reassembled here. He was obsessed with Newton. There's a splendid painting of Newton at one end of the room and splendid portraits of Grace and Roger Babson at the other end of the room. So they're staring toward each other as if they're engaged in uh, exchange of ideas. Babson said his interest in gravity began with the death of his sister. She drowned in a river in Gloucester, near those woods he loved so much as a child. Here's a reading from an essay he wrote. She was unable to fight gravity, which came up and seized her like a dragon and brought her to the bottom. There she smothered and died from lack of oxygen. The name of this essay is Gravity, Our Enemy Number One. Gradually, I found that Old man gravity is not only directly responsible for millions of deaths each year, but also for millions of accidents. Broken hips and other broken bones are directly due to the people's inability to counteract gravity at a critical moment. Later, Babson's relationship with gravity went to a new level. He became very interested in if were there ways to suspend gravity. So Hoops says Babson moved from economics into science, or at least science funding. He founded the Gravity Research Foundation in 1949. It gave grants to scientists who studied gravity. Roger Babson thought humans could eventually learn a way to counteract it. And while that sounds a little offbeat, his anti-gravity foundation has funded some important scientific work. It sponsored some influential scientists early in their careers, like Stephen Hawking. And the foundation is still around, although now it focuses more on understanding gravity than overcoming it. So Hoops doesn't see Babson's dream as foolish. Some of the great questions are some of the oddest questions, and uh, I think Roger Babson shared uh, some of that quality with Newton. I'm humble enough in my old age. I'm not going to say that anti-gravity is a crazy idea. Uh, If if you can levitate me and let me float home, uh, I'm all for it. Roger Babson had one final dream. He moved to that ghost town in Gloucester toward the end of his career. One local headline read, Boston millionaire deserts civilization to live with birds in wilderness of witches and pirates. Babson built a log cabin, and he hired workers to inscribe those mottos on the boulders around his house. He writes in his autobiography, My family says that I am defacing the boulders and disgracing the family with these inscriptions. But the work gives me a lot of satisfaction, fresh air, exercise, and sunshine. I'm really trying to write a simple book with words carved in stone instead of printed on paper. Like industry, be on time. If work stops, values decay. Babson thought other towns and cities might adopt his idea and stencil slogans on their boulders. What struck me was that he was doing it for future generations, for people who he would have never seen, even though his family didn't like it or appreciate what he was doing. Eric Bickernix is documenting these boulders in the Dogtown Woods in Gloucester for a similar reason. He thinks they might be Babson's real legacy, and he wonders if his photos could be part of that legacy too. Hopefully I can leave something behind 
whether it's just recording, you know, a spot in time and in place. Inspired perhaps by another one of Babson's inscriptions, never try, never win. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I find forgotten wonders on the road from New York to Boston.